The 2023 MLS season is upon us. Some new faces, some familiar ones. We are going to preview it all today. So grab your scarves. We start right now. Welcome into the supporter section. I am Brandon Paisnick, and this is episode 59 of the supporter section podcast. Go ahead and leave a like for us and subscribe before we get into it. It's going to be a great episode today. I have my good friend Stephen Curl with me. Cole couldn't make it tonight, so we we miss him, but we're going to truck on along without him. Um, Steve, what are you wearing tonight? What is that kit? Oh, yes. This is just my nightgown. Just kidding. It's the inaugural Inter-Miami jersey. Copped at Ross for $15. If it looks familiar, I wore it the very first episode of the podcast that I was on, on the then Bad Fan Podcast. Um, So that's what I'm wearing. What are you wearing, Brandon? I think that's a nice kit. Uh, I am wearing a Columbus Crew Authentic kit. What is this? 2020, maybe? I don't know. Um, but it's gorgeous. It has a little checkered imprints on here. The good crest. If you watched our kit review episode, you know what I'm talking about. The good crest. Um, and it doesn't cost $200. So, um, I love this jersey. So thank you. I think Cole got it for me. Um, actually. So thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, we can jump right in if we want. Um, Steve, start us off. What the hell happened last year? Remind us, because there's been a lot of soccer since the MLS season ended. Um, We've had a World Cup. Um, We had the whole almost first half of the Premier League season, Um, the Champions League first half. I mean, there's been a lot of soccer since all that's been ended. So review it for us, please. Ah, yes. I will do the best that I can. What the hell happened last year? LAFC um won the mls cup the audi mls cup and they did so on the back of a 128th minute gareth bale header which sent that final into extra time in which lafc would beat philadelphia union on penalty kicks lafc would also lift the supporter shield trophy as well doing your double uh on mls standards as we like to say uh double trophy silver season for lafc which ended up propelling them uh forbes offseason review that lafc actually became the very first mls club to reach the evaluation of a one billion dollar franchise um, so that's what happened around the league, uh, Eastern conference champions, like I mentioned, Philadelphia union, and it was really LAFC and Philadelphia cruising their ways on their brackets all the way to the finals, uh, going up against each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great, uh, playoffs from what I remember. I think it was the best final we've ever had. We, we did review it already in, in a previous podcast, so we won't do it now, um, but like you mentioned, a last minute Gareth Bale winner. I mean, there was, I mean, I think there was a span of five minutes where there's two goals. Like I think LA scored one and then Philly came back and scored another. It was so exciting. It was in LA. Um, what a way to end last season. And rightfully so there was the two best teams, the two one seeds, like you said, um, I don't, you know, typically it doesn't work out like that. Like the, the best teams actually get to play each other in, in tournament style football, but we did get that and we were spoiled. Um, any player awards you want to review from, from last year? Yeah, let's just go down the, we'll go down the, down the docket here of all the MLS player awards that were handed out this off season. Uh, starting with Nashville, Hanny Mukhtar, the DP that transferred from the Bundesliga way back when, actually finishes the year as the MVP, the Landon Donovan Award, with 23 goals, 7 assists. Um, 23 goals was also enough to give him the Golden Boot Honors as well with 23 goals. One bu- above Derusi from Austin FC, um, Defender of the Year. Wasn't our boy Walker Zimmerman uh, from Georgia. It was Jacob Glesnes from Philadelphia Union as well. Again, that team just had something on them, and Glesnes was a big part of it. Uh, Moving down, we have Andre Blake, uh, the Jamaican international, won goalkeeper of the year. He kept 15 clean sheets, and he won his third 
third keeper of the year board. Yes, that is the most in MLS history. The first player to win three. Um, so kudos to that man. Um, comeback player of the year. A man that will not make the comeback player of the year uh, this year because he's retired. Gonzalo Higuain uh, had a great bounce back year with Inter Miami that needed to happen. 16 goals, three assists for that man. And newcomer of the year. First season in the MLS, Tiago Almada. Uh, he was a lone bright spot for a struggling, inconsistent Atlanta United side. But boy, he produced some moments of magic for us. Uh, finishing the year with six goals, seven assists. Um, looking for a little bit bigger production out of him this year if he's going to get some high praise that we might talk about later in the episode. Um, and yes, the Young Player of the Year award. This constitutes a player being... Uh, below 22 when the season starts, and that was U.S. international forward who actually got some World Cup playing time, Jesus Ferreira, with 18 goals and 6 assists for FC Dallas. It was a great year for him as well. So that rounds out all the individual player awards from this past MLS season. Are there any names on this list, Brandon, that you were shocked to see or maybe didn't see coming? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of, of last season, I thought Iguain was done. I just didn't see it. He didn't seem motivated at all in that previous season. Um, so it, it was a surprise for me. Not that he still had the skill, right? Like, obviously, he, some class doesn't necessarily leave you. Uh, so he still had that in him. But to put in a season with those numbers before he retired is, is very amazing and very surprising all at, all at the same time. Um, he also helped Miami reach the playoffs last year. Um, him, I mean, they were they were a decent side, but definitely those goals helped out a lot, obviously. So that was probably the, the most surprising um, shout there. Anything, anything surprising about the other ones? Yeah, I mean, I think nobody expected Jesus Ferreira to have the season that he did. Uh, this yeah. is an example of an MLS player having such an amazing season that it garnered him a spot on the U.S., uh, World Cup roster and got him some pretty decent playing time. I believe he played in two games. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty big considering all the talk about Europeans, uh, U.S. players playing in Europe, I should say. Um, to be able to break into that front kind of three was uh, was cool to see. So he had a great year. Yeah, he did. Um, one that was sort of rivaling him throughout the year uh, was Brandon Vasquez. who's not on this list, obviously, but Wanted to shout him out. Had an amazing season up at, at the forward position as well. Probably looking to have another great one this year. Golden boot, potentially. We'll get into it. Um, but we're going to move into a, a section called Where Are They Now? This this is the biggest MLS offseason moves that don't include the new transfers into the league. So this is people that were already in the league that moved around. So go ahead, Steve. Take it away. Yes, I love it. Uh, like we said, this does not include um, all the big sexy signings that are usually over a million dollars of into the league. Uh, but yes, I'm going to start with my, Brandon knows this, my longtime favorite U.S. striker. They call him the Honey Badger. Hey, Jossie! Uh, Jossie Zardes uh, signs with Austin FC on a free transfer. He was a free agent in the league. He signs with Austin FC after guarding 10 goals, 2 assists across two teams last year, as you might recall, starting the season with the Columbus crew, forced out by a man named Cucho, um, and then signing with Colorado. He ends up with 10 goals, 2 assists. I love this addition to Austin FC. That team scored a ton of goals, and this is just going to be a strict insurance policy, backup striker, managing some minutes, um, and I love this because it's free. Um, and they say nothing in this world is free, but Jossie Zardes is the best free thing you can get. I, I agree with that. They also signed um, an MLS vet, Will Bruin, from... Seattle, is it? Yeah, I think Seattle. So they're pretty – their striker position has some depth to it as far as MLS standards go. Jesse Zardes will definitely um, score some goals this year. Um, LAFC made a really big move. Do you want to cover that? 
Yes, yes. Another. Are you picking on all my favorite players right now? I'm assuming <laughs> you're talking about the the bulletproof mullet Aaron Long, another U.S. defender that made the World Cup roster. Um, this is a man that at one time, I believe New York Red Bulls were. Yes, they rejected a bid from West Ham United for this player. I just remember that off the cuff. Oof. Yes, this is a player that at one point was thought to be a Premier League level talented. I don't know. Uh, yes, he had an injury, um, took the season off, and but he had a great form as he came back last year. LAFC go out and get this defender. Uh, just great. I, I mean... LFC just, I don't know how they get away with it, honestly. It's on a free transfer uh, for New York Red Bulls. Aaron Long wanted to leave, so it's a, it's just an example of a player wanting to, a new challenge. Um, and not a bad spot to find yourself at with the MLS Cup winners. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Um, someone that switched up LA for Colorado Rapids, um, I this is not surprising because I don't think this guy he had he had a lot of expectations when he was at the Galaxy, um, but it's not surprising because of the season he had. He just was not up to par. I think it's safe to say Kevin Cabral moves from the Galaxy to Colorado Rapids, like I said, for a whopping one million dollars in GAM. Which, if you don't know the MLS money lingo and whatnot, I'm not gonna be here to explain it to you. I don't know if either of us could really get into all that into detail. So look it up when you have, I don't know, Steve, five hours of free time, um, because it's probably gonna take that long for you to fully understand what the hell is going on. And fun fact, our the MLS owners don't even know what's going on with that. So they're still they're figuring out the rules as they go um i I don't want to skip over anything because there's some big names in here enter miami we mentioned on a previous podcast signed joseph martinez on a free transfer from atlanta united what are your feelings steve yeah i mean this was this was a long time coming right with my little boy joseph uh he just wasn't happy at the club uh issues with the front office um and it was just obvious to all of us, no matter what the manager front office moves, it just wasn't going to work. And so kind of a sad ending. It ended just in time to where it wasn't super sour grapes and Atlanta United's uh, fans mouths, I would say. So he moves to Miami, a team in the East. You never like to see that. It's going to be a big, uh, big ad for inner Miami. I believe it's actually a two year deal as well, or maybe a one year with an option for a second year. So it's a big year for Josef to prove that he can still go out there and score goals. Like when he won the Golden Boot for Atlanta, scoring 30-plus goals and winning an MVP. So uh, that's a big move. Uh, one more transfer that I really definitely want to touch on. MLS.com's rates this as the transfer of the offseason or trade of the offseason domestically uh, within clubs. And that is going to be Aaron Herrera. Um, CF Montreal trade for Aaron Herrera for... $500,000 in general allocation money. That's your GAM, um, as well as a 2023 international roster spot, uh, meaning they have an extra international spot on their roster, which they can field on their player. And the 2023 MLS Super Draft first round pick from Real Salt Lake. This is a player left back, rated one of the top 10 left backs in the league, and got him on a steal. Um, so. It's these domestic trades that kind of end up working to teams' favors, uh, which they make great runs. You can go out and buy players from Europe or from South America, like you see Atlanta United, go and get players for $15 million, $16 million. But sometimes it's the domestic lead trades that make the most difference, like a Darlington Nagby to Atlanta United for a million bucks might change the whole dynamic of your roster. So... That's just a little segment. Where are they now? The players you're a little bit familiar with, and they still got something to prove, something to say, even though there might not be a big price tag attached to them. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good place to put it. Uh, quickly, Franco, two-time MLS winner Franco Escobar moves on to the Houston Dynamo. Latif Blessing makes his way to New England. Um, both of those guys were from LAFC last year, uh, but they move on. And then we're, we'll get into this guy later, uh, but Toronto FC sign 2021 MLS Cup MVP 
Sean Johnson on a free from NYCFC. That's going to be big. We'll get into it later. Now we're going to move on to some new faces in the league, people coming from outside the league into it for the first time. Steve, highlight a couple for me and maybe some some names people have not heard of before. Yes, I'll start local. I'll start local since we were just talking about Josef Martinez. Um, Atlanta United go out and get forward. Oof, you're going to have to help me on this one maybe if you know how I to pronounce it. I think the Gs are, are pronounced as wise. Yeah, Yor- Yorgos Yakumu- uh, ya- Yakumakis. Yeah, that's tough. Yes, <laughs> what, he, what, what my man said. Um, yes, moves from Celtic FC. That's the Scottish side, one of the top teams in the Scottish Premier League. It's usually between them and Rangers who wins the league. Uh, makes the move to Atlanta, and he's excited about it, which is makes me excited. Um, he tells fans like Brandon and I, if you have trouble saying my name, you will learn after all the goals I'm going to score for this club. So super that. exciting. He moves for a transfer fee of $5 million. Um, pretty hefty price tag, so there's some expectation on that. Um, but I think he's going to have a lot of support around the team as well. Um, some other transfers that I want to touch on as well. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Oh, Portland. Yes, Portland go out and get Evander. Um, he makes the transfer move from Denmark side FC Midtjylland um, for mm. a transfer fee reported club record 10, 10 million dollars. Um, is this Diego Valeri replacement? I, I think so. They're trying to find a creative midfielder that can make it happen in Portland, and I don't think they miss. This is going to be their new number 10. He's going to be the key to their attack. It's a big transfer fee. Like I said, club record. And I don't know about you, Brandon. A part of me, when it comes to MLS transfers, I always like seeing... You know, minus your Zlatans. I always like seeing the big money spent on midfielders. I love creative midfielders. I think they bring so much more to the MLS and could just do a lot more. You might argue is the talent level is probably not as high as Europe. So you're able to see their skills on full display. So Evander is a player that I'm also super stoked to see in the MLS. Yeah, you took the two that I would have definitely highlighted. These two at the end of the season will probably have the biggest impact uh, impact on their, their two respective clubs. Um, I mean, there's a couple other ones that might be, be worth mentioning, um, but I'm just going to mention one that people might have heard of. Mateus Click from Leeds, uh, United States of America, um, comes over to DC United. I think it, I don't know if it was a free, and they don't say here either, but um, Click, he played many different positions for Leeds. I wonder what he's going to play here for for DC, but I'm just assuming probably more of an eight or a six. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see if he'll bring that championship to lower Premier League talent level to the MLS and how that will actually translate. Um, yeah, Christian Benteke is there who, who had great success in, in the Premier League, and Taxi Fantas is also there who um, interesting player but is pretty good for MLS standards. Um, yeah, I think that's it. But there, there's going to be some new faces you haven't heard of this year, um, but they're going to have some big impacts for their clubs, and I think we covered a good amount of them there. Okay, we're going to move on to our next segment now. And this is what the hell is going on in 2023 just in general. So, Steve, we have some newcomers. Yes. Oh, yeah. Boy band, new kids on the block, St. Louis SC. Let's talk about something really quick. St. Louis SC has already made history ahead of even taking the field in their first MLS match. This is the league's 29th team. However... It is the only MLS club with a woman as a founding owner and president. I'm talking Carolyn Kendall and is the only majority female ownership group in this league. This is huge. This is awesome. Uh, you love to see it. 29 teams in and you finally have a female president owned team, female ownership group, and it's going to be awesome. She's been super intent on building this club. She spent a lot of money as well. Um, I think they have 
a couple transfers around five million, two million that have come into this club. And yeah, new kids on the block. St. Louis SC. They will be playing in the I believe the Eastern Western Division. Western. I don't know. Western. I'll get back on that in a minute. Western. Um. Yes. So taking a brief look at their squad, just at a glance, like I talked about. Um. They're bringing in team captain, uh, Switzerland international goalkeeper, and ever heard of this team called Dortmund? Well, they just beat Chelsea. Uh, former goalkeeper for Dortmund, uh, Roman Berkey will be their goalkeeper. That is going to be their team captain, and their front line is going to be led. Their new number nine, which this is always huge for expansion teams. I want to touch on this. If you're a new expansion team, you're trying to get people interested in your club and your city, you got to score some goals. You got to score some goals. Their number nine is going to be Yao Klaus, who actually just likes to go by Klaus, uh, who joined from TSG Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga for a reported 3.2 million euros. That's closer to the $4 million mark, so pretty hefty price, um, like we're talking about. MLS veteran Tim Parker, a U.S. international, uh, also joins the team in the back line as well from the Houston Dynamo. And I want to save another uh, another signing for my man Brandon down here, my little Villa fan. What can you tell us about this other guy I'm about to highlight? Yeah, his his first name is the name of a state. Um, it's Indiana. It's not Indiana Jones. It's Indiana Vasilev, but just as good. Honestly, sort of sounds like he would fit in as, as an Indiana Jones character. Indiana Vasilev. Yeah, he did come up through the ranks at Aston Villa, which is my Premier League team. Um, has played in the Premier League before, um, but more so with the Premier League 2 league with like the, the youth squad. Um, yeah, and he's also been loaned out, gosh, I don't know, three times now. Um, mainly to enter Miami, though, where he saw some success in the past two years. Um, I can't believe he's only 22. I actually just looked that up. I feel like he's been bounced around and he's been around for forever now, but he's only 22 years old. Has a lot ahead of him. I think he scored five MLS goals in his career, and those were only on loan. So he wasn't settled when he was doing that. So having a new team, being a part of something brand new, everything looks great for the St. Louis City team. Their stadium looks great. Their jerseys, like we like we covered in the last um, episode, pretty solid for, for your first uh, set of jerseys. I think they can expect a good amount out of this kid. Um don't take it from me. Don't quote me on it, but I, I think he'll he'll be fun this year um, for them. So something something to uh, to think about to note with those three players. Three, yeah, four players that we just mentioned. That's Tim Parker, Indiana Vasilev, um, Zhao Klaus, and Roman Berkey. Roman Berkey, I cannot believe that. I didn't even realize they got him. That is insane. What a signing. Uh, I am yes. jealous as an Atlanta United fan. <laughs> we need a goalkeeper. <laughs> Ah, we're gonna just gonna have Guzan out there when he's fifty. It's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are there any high expectations for this team? What do you expect going into the season for St. Louis? Yeah, you know it's always tricky. I think us as Atlanta United fans have been spoiled with um, the early success, as Frank DeBoer likes to call our fans spoiled. Um, anyways, uh, yes, making the MLS playoffs their first go around. Uh, same with LAFC. You see these kind of teams come in and make the playoffs right away, and you want to be that. You want to be the new exciting team, uh, the new hot commodity, new stadium. They already have a stadium built, which is honestly huge. Kudos to them. Um, but they're not coming out and saying they're making playoffs like you see mistakes. Maybe like the Miamis of the world or you see Charlotte kind of talk about we want to be challenging for playoffs. That way when your coach says there's no way in hell we can make playoffs like the former Charlotte coach said, uh, you're not in this awkward situation. So I think we're just expecting this team to be competitive, um, playing some entertaining football, getting an identity down, figuring out what this team is in their first year of existence. Uh, St. Louis does come in ranked 29th in the power rankings. Unsurprisingly, I mean, there's no expectations. They haven't seen them on the field yet, so we don't know what to expect. But I would say just to be competitive, win a couple games, try to win at home, be competitive away. Uh, that's what I would be. That's what I'd be expecting if I was a St. Louis uh, SC fan. 
Yeah, I think that's something really similar we said when we were previewing Charlotte last year. Just just enjoy the ride of the first season. Just enjoy it. Show up for your team, support them, scream, yell, uh, buy the merch if you like it, and uh, support them. It's going to be a fun season. All right, something that massive news, I think that came out this week, I want to say, uh, the week of recording. Um, there were massive playoff changes. By the way, MLS starts this week, so they finally they met the deadline, I guess, to make these changes, enacting them for this season, which is crazy. Uh, Steve, go ahead, because it might get a little confusing, so I want, you, I want to give you some time on this one. Go ahead and jump into it and uh, explain it to us, please. Yes, yes. Speaking of Charlotte uh, FC fans that we were just talking about, they might be a little peeved that this didn't start last year. The biggest changes of these playoffs, here we go. Uh, playoff teams will be comprised of nine teams from each conference, as opposed to last year's and the season before, seven teams from each conference. Um, so if you're a Charlotte uh, fan, you would have made the playoffs last year, uh, which is crazy. Uh, but yes, getting into it, nine teams from each conference will be making the playoffs this year. However, if you finish one through seven, there's still a substantial advantage because teams one through seven will automatically qualify for the first round best of three series. So what happens to those other teams that are the cellar dwellers, the eight and nine seeds, they will be facing off in the most American thing ever. A wild card game. We love our wild cards here in American professional sports. Uh, there will be a wild card game between the eight and nine seed that will go one game, single elimination, no extra time. This is going to be a trend to the early rounds of this playoff series matchups. Um, there will be no extra times. That means 90 minutes plus whatever stoppage time. And if there is no winner, you're going straight to PKs, do or die. Yes. So the winner of these wildcard teams will then be placed against the number one seeds from these conferences as well, in which they will be in a playoff series, best of three series. So best of three series, the lower seed will host a game, and then the higher seed will host a game, and then if needed, oh, sorry, the higher seed hosts the first game, then the lower seed hosts the second game, and then if it is needed, if the series is tied one-to-one, -one, the higher seed will host the rubber match. Um, in these series as well, an important note as well, there is, again, no extra time. No extra time at all. So, game one, if you're tied, 90th minute, whistle goes, you're headed straight to penalty kicks. Um, there will not be two 15-minute periods. Uh, you may not pass go. You may not collect $100. Uh, straight to PKs. And then after all of these matchups are decided, you then move into the traditional format of the uh, conference semifinals, finals, and then eventually the MLS Cup Championship. All of these matches will be single elimination. Extra time will be a factor of the game. And the higher seed will host the match. <sighs> that was a lot. That was a lot to digest. Um, so that's a big change. That's a big change. Like we talked about, you have the straightforward of you're going from seven teams per conference to nine teams per conference. If you want to get technical, the West has less teams than the East. So you'll be more likely to make the playoffs if you are in the Western division um, as opposed to the East, uh, which is the Atlanta United side. Um, but yeah, initial reactions to these playoff changes. Do we love it? Do we hate it? Do we love, hate it? Let's talk about it. Brandon, what's your initial reaction to the playoff changes? Yeah, I think um, it's a very Americanized way <laughs> to do soccer playoffs. Um, you bring in the baseball aspect of a wild card. You bring in a three-game series aspect of like the NBA, if you will. Um, yeah, but my, my initial reaction was like, what the heck are they doing? Just keep it simple. Go back to the aggregate system, which is the best, I think, and do it. 
right? Do it. But you made a good point, and I'll let you really talk about this. But Apple just bought the rights to the MLS. So what are they going to want to see? More games, more money, more drama, which equals more entertainment. So what are you getting with this? You get all of those things, right? You potentially get an extra game in the playoffs. Now you get extra games because you expanded the playoffs, which I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Over half of each division gets in. Uh, That is outrageous. That just de-emphasizes the the year even more. Like the the whole season doesn't really matter until the last three weeks, basically, is what's going to happen. Anywho, I just think that's so stupid. So if they shorten that, I think I'd be okay with most of this. Um, but the idea of the the wild card is sort of fun. Um, and no one, and I mean no one, wants to watch an 8 and 9 seed go into extra time. No one at all. Um, so the fact that they cut extra time out and are going straight to penalties is a massive, massive win for entertainment and for uh, probably mental sanity for people just so you can just move on to the to the real teams that probably more so earn to be in the playoffs. Um, the three-game series I think is fun. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, again, the three-game series, there's no extra time as well. And these kinds of changes also have to be agreed to by the uh, MLS Players Association. And I also think the no extra time also protects the players. Um, It's minutes managed. It's at the end of a game, you're so fatigued. It's playoffs. It's high intensity. So I think this helps with the minutes managed as well. So when it comes to these three-game playoff series, you're adding – an extra game, like Brandon said, for the TV factor of Apple uh, spending all this money, uh, the fans of the teams, no matter what, if you make it to these three-game playoff series, you get a home game. Um, you might only get one, but you get a home game. You get to turn up to your home stadium and watch your team in the playoffs. And for a lot of fans, that's enough. Uh, you might be going up against a giant LAFC and you might be sporting Kansas City or Minnesota, and it's not looking too good, but you're going to be able to watch uh, them freeze in your stadium if you're Minnesota. Uh, but this also accomplishes, uh, Brandon and I were talking before the episode of the aggregate, like Brandon's a fan of. Uh, we want to see the best teams win. We want to see the best teams get to the final. We want to see the most entertaining matches. And this is just uh, Brandon put an American way, yes, of getting the same results of a two-leg aggregate series of the best team going through while also providing great entertainment factor in PKs. Because the reality of the situation is as well, if you're in the 85th minute and you're the number one seed up against the number nine seed that just squeaked by in a wild card game, the last thing you want to do is get knocked out in penalty kicks. So you're going to see a way higher intense playoff uh, matches is what I think the league was going for, which I think is going to accomplish, hopefully. So I'm a fan, I think. Overall, I'm not a huge fan. I'm with Brandon. I think the amount of teams that are making the playoffs is kind of crazy. Um, You shouldn't have a better chance to make the playoffs than not making the playoffs. It's supposed to be a big accomplishment. Uh, but you know, we digress, but I'm a fan. I like it and I'll be an even bigger fan if Atlanta United squeaks in at a number eight seed and I get to watch a wild card game hosted at Mercedes Benz stadium. Are you kidding me? I will lose my mind. So, um, yeah, I think it's good in general for MLS to grow. And I think at the end of the day, that's what matters most. So um, if that helps the league grow, then I'm all for it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it grows from this. But I think, I think it will work. I really do. Um, the, the ending part of, of the, the playoff is it's staying the same with the semifinal, um, conference final, and then the, the actual final. All one-off games, but you get the full extra time if needed, um, and then into penalties. Um, with the the higher seed hosting, I believe. 
Um, that's usually how it works. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think we covered everything there. If you have questions, don't ask us, just go, go look it up, please. But I think we tried to cover it as, as well as we could. Um, those were recent changes as of this week. So I'm sure more information and explanations will come out. Literally yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. So, um, we're doing our best here, people. Um, another big thing that we're just going to touch on, it's, it's happening this summer. Um, but it's new this year. It's called the league's cup. Um, it's an official CONCACAF competition where all MLS teams and all Liga MX teams will participate. So that's the Mexican League and the MLS. Um, it is going to be a World Cup-style tournament, which means group stage followed by knockout rounds. There'll be four regions, east, west, south, and central. Um, and that... That totals out to 77 games hosted at MLS stadiums throughout the U.S. and Canada. Um, that is absolutely amazing. It's something I think we've been wanting for a while. I know we've been wanting. Um, we're sort of proponents of a pro-rail system. If we just had a huge North American league, it would work. And this is a, a step closer to that. We might never get it, but... At the very least, it's very, very entertaining, and it'll be great for everybody who who supports uh, a Mexican team or or a U.S. team. I think I think it's going to be very entertaining. What do you think, Steve? Oh yeah, it's perfect. This is the perfect low risk test the waters without making a rash decision, and this is still a big undertaking. This big tournament uh, to see the interest level of uh, Mexican fans. Uh, MLS fans, Canadian soccer fans as well in this mix. Um, and I think something that is really cool is the amount of Mexican Americans that are in uh, that are in the United States that will get to watch the teams that you know that their families that they might have grown up watching or something like that. So I think it's going to be awesome. We see how many uh, Liga MX fans will turn up for. Uh, a Club America game against Atlanta United or a Monterey game against Atlanta United. I had the privilege of going to a Monterey game versus Atlanta and there's a ton of Monterey fans there. So it's really exciting to see the leagues come together to figure this out and to actually make it happen. I think it's going to be a success. I hope it's a success. Um, and if it is, look for more integration between these leagues, maybe a dream super league of pro and relegation, um, but this really scratches the backs of both leagues. It gives MLS better competition to go up against at the likes of the Liga Mekki teams, as well as it gives Liga Mekki teams exposure on an international scale that they might not have um, through the current TV and branding deals that they have um, in Mexico. So it's a win-win. Um, I hope the tournament goes well. It's going to be super entertaining, and I can't wait. Yeah, so those are two major things that are happening this year. The playoffs and that League's Cup. Very, very exciting things happening coming down the pipeline. So be looking out for those. Um, we're going to move now into our third segment of the day. Probably what you've been waiting for, our preseason predictions. Yes, I know um, Steve and I are MLS experts, so you can probably trust everything that we say um, to a T. Um, and if you think otherwise, you're probably wrong. Just kidding. We're probably the idiots and you're probably right. Your guess is as good as ours, but Steve, we are going to start with MLS cup winners. We know last year it was LAFC versus Philly. Like we said earlier, who do you think is going to take it this year? Yes, I'm going to go the easy route and go with the runner up of the MLS cup. I'm going with the Philadelphia union, um, they're actually entering into the season a plus 650 odds to take it all, according to the experts on the bookies and all that stuff. Um, but here's the reason why I'm choosing Philadelphia. It's kind of like it has to happen eventually. Uh, their coach Jim Curtin just won MLS Coach of the Year. I touched on Andre Blake winning his third goalkeeper of the year. I touched on Jacob Glesnes winning Defender of the Year for Philadelphia as well. Those are three individual awards for these guys. Uh... Not to mention a midfielder that Brandon might talk about later. Um, yes, so they have finished at least in the top three the past five years in the Eastern Conference. They lost the Supporter Shield to LAFC by a tiebreaker. Uh, they had the same amount of points on the season, just not the same amount of wins. 
So that's the difference between Philadelphia winning a trophy last year and not. Another difference is a Gareth Bale header in the 128th minute that sent the game to penalty kicks. Philly was so close to wrapping up the MLS Cup. It didn't happen. It was a Hollywood ending. It was amazing, but not for Philly. Um, But they've just been right there. They've been knocking on the door for so many seasons, especially recent. This team is retained 90% of the minutes played of their players in the last in the last season. So all their guys are basically going to be back. They're not 35, 34. These are players that are in their prime. So by my calculations, this team's only improving. And the next step after narrowly missing out on two trophies is winning silverware. Whether it's two trophies, I think that's the expectation of the club. It's it's Supporter Shield. It's MLS Cup. And it's that or bust. Um, so that's going to be my pick for the MLS Cup winners. I'm looking at the Snakes up in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, and they have been pretty good for the past couple years, like you said. Um, man, that's a great shout. And I think this, this one for me is, I don't know if it's bias or what. I, I do enjoy Toronto as a city. I've never visited, yes, but do. I like what they really have uh, going on there. Um, and when I saw that Sean Johnson made the move, remember, he's an MLS Cup champion, and he was the MVP of that MLS Cup. He's also U.S. international. He made the World Cup squad. When I saw that Sean Johnson, the goalkeeper, moved to this team, I said, hold up. Said first of all, why didn't Atlanta United do it? But then I said, wait, 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 wait. What is Bob Bradley doing up there in Toronto? He has a great Canadian youth system there with all the youth players coming out of there. Um, they brought in Diamande, who he's, he worked with in, in LA. Um, he brought Richie Larea, who's a Canadian international, in. They have Insigne, who played eleven games last year only, six goals. Two assists. Wow. In Italian international. They also have Bernadeschi, who played 13 games last year only. Eight goals, two assists. You see where I'm going with this? Wow. Absolutely amazing. That's production. They have Jonathan Osorio and Michael Bradley, the veterans in the team, in the heart of the... I think Jonathan Osorio plays defense, doesn't he? He's not a midfielder. Anywho, he is a midfielder. Is he? Is he? Okay. In the, in the middle of the park, you have Mark Anthony Kay who's was at LA is a Canadian international himself. Mm-hmm. Um, great player. Uh, and then the young gun, Marshall Ruddy, who we covered last year, he didn't have as great of a season. as I was hoping he would, but there's going to, they, they have youth talent in their Academy. I don't know how they keep producing it, but they do. And then the man at the helm, like I said, Mr. White Walker himself, Bob Bradley, one of the best coaches in, in the MLS, believe if you want to believe that or not. You don't have to believe me, but I think so. I think Toronto has a has a lot going for them. The issue is they are a little old, and if they can um, not have as many injuries as Atlanta United did this past season, um, I think they will be just fine. And with the expanded playoffs, they have some veterans in that team and some really, really big playmakers and a really amazing shot stopper. I think if they can go on a run, this is a team to be to be very weary of, this Toronto FC team. So that's my shout. I think I was long-winded enough. Um, you think they're too old. I think you told me to, to really do something. But who knows? Who knows? I think Toronto might have a good shot. They're plus... Two eight zero zero, so not great odds. But nobody really has great odds preseason, so um, that's good. Let's move into the Golden Boot. Who do you have? Yes, the Golden Boot. I'm gonna get right into it. I got Cucho Hernandez from your Columbus Crew up in Ohio. He's plus sixteen hundred odds to win the Golden Boots. Um, this is a new transfer that came into the team. Like we said, pushed out Giassi Zardes, longtime MLS vet. He had nine goals and three assists in 16 games, to which he started 14 of those games. Um, I believe partnered with Lucas Zellerayan, who I think had like double digits goals and assists last year. 
so good. Yeah, those two guys up top for Columbus Crew. It's going to be wild to see. I I really think Kucho Hernandez is going to set this league on fire. Um, and you know everybody loves goals, and Columbus is going to score a lot of goals. Uh, fun fact: they actually had the most goals outside of the 18-yard box too. That's Zellerian bangers coming in from outside the 18. So. Kucho Hernandez, uh, Zellerian, pick your poison, and I think they're really going to play off one another because he can't cover both of them, ideally, as much as you want at the same time. So that's my shout is Kucho Hernandez for uh, the Columbus Crew. Yeah, Columbus Crew has some some really good players on their squad, more so like middle of the road, but they'll probably be looking to make playoffs this year. Especially, with, Well, they will make playoffs this year. They're too good not to. Um, and then maybe go on a run. We'll see. But Kucho Hernandez, that's a great shout, actually. Um I might have taken an easy one on this, but I think it's it's definitely a real shout. The way Austin FC played last year, um, this guy was at the forefront of it all. It's Sebastian Driussi. Um He's plus 1,200. He had 22 goals in the regular season last year. He had three in the playoffs. So actually, I think he had the most goals in the MLS last season, if you're including playoffs. Um, and I really, really think he could do it again. Um, unless their coach becomes the U.S. men's national team coach, which I don't think that'll happen, but it's been a rumor. So we'll have to wait to see if, if that happens. But Sebastian Drew, see for my golden boot shout, the dude was on fire last year. He really did seem unstoppable every time I watched. He was so freaking good. Okay, uh, now MVP, and this is our last prediction. Um, Landon Donovan MLS MVP award. Who are you going with, Steve? What if I told you that a 23-year-old that played with Lionel Messi is coming to the LA Galaxy? Oh, oh that already mm. happened. It's Ricky Puig. That's what I'm talking about. Ricky Puig has a plus 90% passing rating uh, last season in the MLS. He only played in 10 games, but he made the most with three goals, five assists, and nine games is which he started. Um, Ricky Puig, guys, this person, this, this, this guy has it all. He scored some banger goals last year, and he controls that midfield in L.A., along with Marky Delgado and Efren Alvarez. Uh Arguably the most talented midfield in the MLS, honestly. Um, Incredible squad. Um, I'm looking for a huge year. First full season in the MLS. They have Chicharito up top. They signed uh, Boyd as well to play on the wing. This is a team that spent some money. And they have have an amazing left back. Amazing. Well, they just sold Julian Arujo at the right back position. Uh, But they had Raheem Sterling at the left back is a candidate for best 11. Chicharito, candidate for best 11. Efren Alvarez, 20 years old, he had, I think, 9 or 10 goal contributions last year as a teenager. He's only going to get better, you would like to think. So this team is going to be good, and I think Ricky Puig is in the perfect uh, spot to thrive. And correction on his name, I was looking this up before the podcast, so I didn't mispronounce it like I just have been. <clears throat> I believe it's Ricky Puig. So uh, there it goes. There's the butcher for that name. Nice. Um, but yes, that's my <laughs> MLS MVP. If he can pass over 90% and have that goal contribution uh, per 90 like he has right now, LA Galaxy will be winning the MLS playoffs and he will be holding that MVP award. Mm, that's a good shout. I don't know if that's if that's going to happen. Uh, but hopefully he adjusts to the league well. LA Galaxy should be pretty good this year as well. And I, for mine, I, I really want to say someone like Tiago Amada or at least uh, Luis Arujo um, from Atlanta United. But I just don't think that'll happen. I just I'm I'm excited going into the year as Atlanta United fan, but I just don't I, I don't have anything to really go off of other than he had a pretty solid season last year with us being so bad. Was it you said six goals, seven assists? So. Who knows? It could be him if we if we we as Atlanta United um, turn up this year, but I'm not going to predict that. My prediction is Daniel Gazdag from Philadelphia Union. Um, he had 22 goals in the regular season, matching Drusi's goal tally, um, and then he had two more in the playoffs. Um, he also had six assists in in the regular season last year. Um, 
he's a midfielder, people. He is not a striker. He is not a winger. He is a midfielder. <laughs> so, so let me say that again. At the end of the season, plus playoffs, he had 24 goals and six assists. That's a lot, people. That's a lot. Now, I don't think he'll have that many goals again, um, but they still have Jim Curtin as their coach, uh, and I just really think he's primed for a big year under him. My prediction would be something close to 16 goals, 10 assists from him this year. Um, I I think that'll do the trick for an MLS MVP and probably a move away, I'd assume. If If he produces like that, I'm sure there'll be some eyes on them. There's definitely some already after last season. Um, but fun fact that I just <laughs> I just found when he was when I was searching him up, we share the same birthday. He's a uh, two years older than me, Whoa. I think. Um, so happy early birthday, Mister Gazdag, um, birthday brothers. So um, that's a fun little one. So um, all right, do you want to touch on some pa- some power rankings or anything like that? Yeah, I th- I think we can cover maybe like the top five of the power rankings heading in to this MLS season. Number one are my pick to win uh, the MLS Cup, Philadelphia Union. Number two are the actual defending champions, LAFC. Number three, Austin FC. Four, biggest shock on the top five list in my opinion, FC Cincinnati. What wow, amazing strides they've made as a club. Insane. Absolutely insane. This is all according to MLS.com, by the way. Um, and number five, rounding up the list, are the CONCACAF Champions League winners, the Seattle Sounders. That's the top five heading into the 2023 season. Atlanta United, right in the middle of the pack at 15. Um, speaking of which, Atlanta United... We're going to touch on them a little bit briefly heading into this season and talking about their moves, expectations, where he touched on a couple of them. Uh, Brandon, you wanted to say Almada for MVP. What about Young Player of the Year? Um, he's already won Newcomer of the Year last year. Uh, the criteria for Young Player of the Year is you have to be uh, twenty below 22 entering into the season. Tiago Almada will be turning 22 in April, so he is eligible for this award along with the winner last year, Jesus Ferreira, also still eligible for the uh, for the award. Honestly, the only two players that are kind of up for the award. Um, there's a couple outside shouts, but yeah, what do we expect out of Almada out of this year? You know, I um, I think a lot. You know, you don't. Just get on. I mean, sorry, he luckily got on the the Argentinian World Cup team, but he did. He was there. He did get some minutes, even though they weren't necessarily important minutes. But he's a World Cup winner. I think there's a lot of expectations on him. And he's sort of a quiet, shy guy, but he's very creative when he gets on the field. He's so, so good. Like, he was such a bright spark for us <laughs> last year. Um, so my expectations are very, very high. I think, again, on paper, our team, Atlanta United is very good. Um, whether they can put it together, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in our coach too, too much. Um, but that doesn't necessarily come down to Tiago Mata. I think class is there. He's still young. He's still growing. And I think... Amada is probably up for a lot of awards, depending on how Atlanta United season goes, um, and maybe even how he wants it to go. I think he does have the the power to sort of take over games in that midfield. Um, him and Luis Arujo, like I mentioned, it's it's going to be exciting if if they can click and keep it rolling. Um, but yeah, I, I have really high expectations for Tiago this year. Yeah, along with those high expectations, I mean. Surely this year for Atlanta United, it's playoffs or bust, right? We should expect nothing less than a playoff performance from this current roster that we have. Um, what don't you think? Yeah, I honestly think Pineda gets 10 games this year. And if we don't win half of them to start the season, at least half of them, he's gone. And that's how it honestly wow. should be. He's had... <sighs> Uh, three years now, but, three but years. The too injuries, many probably. the the injuries it, is what it's the, the MLS fans will say. It's the MLS mm. though. 
come on. You can play with your youth team and get results, and he wasn't doing any of that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just I just don't fully believe in him. I want to. I want to. Coming from Seattle, you know, we're sort of building a new Seattle here with Garth or Gareth Loggerway or whatever his name is, uh, making some crazy offseason moves. But I, I just – I don't know, man. I don't know. I, it's We're definitely going to make the playoffs. But I think it, it starts way before that. I think the expectations have to be there from day one. And if if we uh, if we don't make the playoffs, Stephen, with this expansion, <laughs> there there will be riots in Atlanta. We'll we'll burn yes. the freaking stadium to the ground. <laughs> I, I abs- Not absolutely much, but... I can't can't attest to that. Um, absolutely talking about day one. Uh, it's going to be a day one game for Jorgis Yakumakis uh, on Saturday against San Jose, the new number seven for Atlanta United. Um, this is a guy who was a top scorer in the Eredivisie as well as the Scottish Premier League. Um, I believe he he held those honors of top scorer um, in both of those leagues and it's each of its respective seasons. Not last year, um, but... What can we expect out of him? Over under fifteen goals. We'll start. We'll start basic like that. Over under fifteen goals. Do you think he gets it? Do you think the power of the Atlanta's tacking of Arujo, Almada, Etienne, maybe takes away some goals? Or what do you think? Over under fifteen goals. Mm. I think a safe bet is under, um, because we have so much talent around him. And I think that's the hope is to have have this guy that is honestly, from what I've seen, is sort of Joseph esque, um, just sort of a fox in the box can find his way to a, a deflection um, or a, a you know a saved shot that sort of just finds its way to him. He just can, I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited though. He's talking big game. I'm excited to see him actually playing the MLS. It'll be an adjustment for sure, but. I think it could be over depending on how Atlanta United plays. Same thing what I said about Tiago Amada. Depending on how the team plays and progresses, and progression is a big word. <laughs> it's a big if. Um, yeah. It. I think it hinges on that, but I think it could be over. But I think definitely under 15. I don't want to put that high of expectation. He should be getting 12, though. At, I think 12 is, is a solid number for him this year. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm under the 15 mark um, as well. I hope it's over, but um, I'd like to see progression fully as a team um, and see some goals spread around that front attacking three. Uh, well, uh, according to MLS.com, Atlanta United fans moving into the season uh, in the formation of a 4-2-3-1. The predicted lineup for this year for Atlanta United is uh, Brad Guzan in goal, Andrew Gutman on the left side, uh, new international defender, Abram, center back. He's a Peruvian international in the middle there. Probably him and Parata interchanging throughout the year. Uh, Miles Robinson is back as well, looking for a huge bounce back God. year. Has not signed an extension for Atlanta United, so he is betting on himself this year to most likely push for a move away. Um, on the right side, Brooks Lennon uh, in the middle of the park. Uh, kind of in the defensive alignment, Santiago Sosa, um, as well as Alonzo, who was out with one of Atlanta United's many injuries last year as well. Uh, Roteus Resetu um, will also likely find himself in that midfield role. Um, and then moving up top, you have Etienne, the new free agent signing, uh, previous with the crew. Um, Tiago Almada, most likely playing up the middle. Uh, Luis Arujo on the right-hand side, and Yako. Yakumakis uh, up top, scoring goals, helping helping me remember his name. That looks like the roster. It looks like a good one, barring injuries. Um, we're hoping for playoffs. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's really gonna happen. Uh, and the last segment of the day, we're bringing it back, and we're gonna integrate this back into our, our full podcast because this is more of an MLS preview. But um, this is the MLS Fast Five. You love it. We love it. 
Um, and we never know what's going to happen. So these uh, predictions are always going to be fun. And we're not going to bet on the MLS, or at least I'm not going to. So <laughs> this is not betting advice. <laughs> these are us just guessing what might happen, especially with the first week coming yes. up. Steve, start us off. We have Austin FC facing off at home versus the newcomers, St. Louis City SC, I think, I think is what their full name is. Yes. Yes, um, I think it's going to be a day in Verde for Austin FC. I think it's going to be at, gosh, they're going to put at least three goals in the net. I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully St. Louis can get their first MLS goal. I will give it to them on my prediction. I'll go 3-1 at home, Austin FC over St. Louis. However, if they're not careful, this game could get ugly. Yeah, I think it's going to be an ugly one. I was actually going to say 3-1 as well. I think St. Louis might get a penalty of some sort um, to score their goal or to get a chance. But you never know. You never know. Uh, but, yeah, I'm actually going to go 3-1 as well. Uh, the next one is LA Galaxy versus LAFC. Uh, El Trafico, I think it's actually being played at the Rose Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're expecting the largest crowd Ooh. ever in MLS history, I think is what I've heard. Um, Sounds fun so to that'll me. Be, that'll be pretty cool if that happens. What do you think, Steve? Ah, oh, man, if there's anything we know when these two LA teams go up against each other, it's a spectacle, and it's never going to be 1-0. It's never going to be nil-nil. There's going to probably be five goals in this game, and it's not an exaggeration. If this is your first time hearing about the MLS, hearing about El Trafico, uh, the name given to this LA rivalry, I think it's going to be awesome. I think this Galaxy team has a lot to prove. Um, I think they're tired of being the little brother to the new guys on the block. Um, I think this is the year that they establish themselves back as royalty. I'll stop talking. I'll go for a four. Four to th I'll go four three. Four three Galaxy uh, beating the MLS champs on week one uh, with a statement mm. win. Wow. I'm actually going to go 3-2 Galaxy as well. I think you might have talked me into that one. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be so fun. What a week one game. That is insane. That is amazing. Yeah. Thank you, MLS and Apple, for making that happen for me. Um, <laughs> the next one we're going to look at is Portland and Sporting Kansas City. I think um, it's at Portland. <sighs> They're in their new kits. Oh, Baby, give me something nice. I think this one might be a 2-0 uh, Portland win. Yes, uh, both these teams, a lot to prove. Both missing out on the playoffs last year, which doesn't make sense if you're a fan of MLS. These are two teams that are very good. Uh, that's why it's on this game of the week for the MLS Fast Five. I think it's going to be a 1-0 Portland win over Sporting Kansas City. Mm. All right. The next one we have is Charlotte and New England. Um, Bruce Arena? Question mark. I think might have a lot to say about this one. Is Charlotte going to be wearing the Wildberry kits though? If they are, you know that's who I'm going with. I'm not entirely sure. Um, <laughs> I think New England's better than them. I'll say New England one uh, nil. All right, I will disagree with you on this one. I think uh, Racing Club, $6 million transfer forward for Charlotte FC. Enzo Copti has a lot to say. I'm on the Charlotte train this year. They look good. I'll go for a 2-1 Charlotte win. Um, yeah, over over New England. I think Carlos uh, Charles Hill, though, grabs a, grabs a goal for New England. Yeah, I know Carol Swiderski had a pretty good season last year. And I think a guy named Ben Bender, it sounds like a fake name, but it's real. I think he plays for Charlotte as well. It was a good, good year last year. Uh, the last one we're going to cover, of course, is Atlanta United versus San Jose. Uh, two of our favorite kits this year facing off. Um, I think we might – no, we probably won't see both. Um, I hope we do. Um I think Atlanta United will get the win at home, and I hope it's electric. I hope we go big. Um, I hope Yakumakis gets his first goal, um, Almada with two assists, something like that. I'm going to go 3-1 
because I know the other team's going to score a goal. It doesn't matter who it is. Our defense is bad. So until I'm proven otherwise, three <laughs> one. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We'll definitely concede a goal. I hope we score three. Uh, I'll I'll go three. I'll go three two. I think we'll concede two. Honestly, um, it's going to be asking a lot of Miles Robinson to be up to speed. Um, are you going to start the new signing off the bat and Abram? I don't know. Parasa not the best defender. Let's just see. Guzan in goal. Who's going to be our keeper on day one? I mean, we don't know still, honestly. So, um, yeah, I'll go 3-2. 3-2 Atlanta United win. Um, and I hope it's going to be rocking in the men's. Yeah, that's what we want to see. So that's it, people. Thank you for uh, watching another episode of the Supporters section. We hope you enjoyed our time together today. Uh, if you made it this far, come on, what are you doing? Drop a like, please. We need it. If you haven't subscribed already, you're you're not going to want to miss another episode. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Um, get into the comments. Let us know how we did. Your thoughts. Our thoughts don't really matter. We want to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah, we'll be in there. Join our social media. Um, that'll be linked in the bio as well. Um, but that's it. I've been Brandon Pasek. That's been Stephen Curl. This has been the supporter section. Enjoy the weekend of football. And until the next one, peace out.